You are now listening to the Soul and Wonder podcast, episode 11, Chloe's Countertop. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe, uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing, all to empower you on your journey of self-discovery. And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to episode 11. Wow, already episode 11. I feel like we've been flying through these. Yeah, we've had like four interviews in the past week, and we got more to come. A few coming up this week, and man, we're just moving along here. Yeah, and we're gaining listeners and followers along the way, so thanks for all of you who've subscribed to our podcast and joined our tribe. For those of you who want to do that, just go on our website, soulandwonder.com, and you can find a box on just about every page that says join our tribe. You'll even get a free gift, a guidebook on detoxing and cleansing when you do that. You'll also get updates on... Our podcasts, new episodes, um, even new ebooks that are coming out. New ebooks, and I think we're still we're towards the end of our last newsletter group. Twelve healing foods in twelve weeks. I think we have what four more to go. Yeah, we've got a few more to go, but those posts then after those are up, we put them on our blog page, so you can check those out. Um, but again, there's always some really cool stuff coming out in the newsletter. So subscribe, subscribe, join our tribe, and in this episode. We have interviewed a very special lady, Chloe Elger. She's from Vancouver, lives in Vancouver right now. Um, She'll tell you everything about her and what she does, but it's all about eating intuitively and living consciously. Yeah, and I really, really enjoyed speaking with her, and I really enjoyed this episode a lot. She had a lot of amazing things to say, and her story is incredible very inspiring and I know a lot of people out there uh, listening to it will be inspired by it. Yeah she she breaks down a lot of walls about body image issues struggling with those anxieties you know growing up and how she reconnected herself with food you know rebuilding her relationship with food rebuilding her relationship with herself and learning self-love and this and that so this is this is an episode that I feel majority of people can relate to and I hope that you enjoy it. Yeah. We'll catch you later. Stay tuned for your health tip of the episode. All right. And we are back now with Chloe Elger. And for those of you who don't know, she is a holistic nutritionist, a speaker, an author, and also a self-taught food photographer. And right now she's living in Vancouver. So Chloe is the author of the book, Living in Light. She's the creator of the podcast show, Conscious Conversations, and she's also the founder of the personal brand and business, Chloe's Countertop. So Chloe works with clients through her living true mentorship, as well as with groups to bring awareness and inspire conversation around body image, intuitive eating, and the psychology of eating. Motivated through her own body image story and journey through eating disorders, anxiety, and depression, Chloe is driven to change the way we approach pain and darkness and how we face fear in our lives. 
Through unapologetic honesty, Chloe moves through her life story of family conflict, emotional trauma, and crippling self-love issues in the form of sharing stories, motivational speaking, and creative nonfiction writing. And through her own story of vulnerability and bravery, Chloe's mission is to empower others to discover, or rather rediscover, their inner joy and light by embracing the contrast of darkness and light. Well, Chloe, you are doing a lot of really, really cool things. Thank you so much for coming on to this interview with us. No, thank you. This is cool. And uh, like we were saying, you know, being able to be on the other side of the podcast is always, it's like a, a it's like a flip because I'm usually in control. So it's a good <laughs> letting go of control and just kind of, you know, going with the flow. So thank you for having me. Stoked. Well, we're super thrilled. We're super thrilled. You know, you're you're an advocate for people and, you know, the subject matter that really needs more transparency. And I see that through the progression of time. It's becoming a little more easy to talk about not undermining the effects, of course, but that, you know, people experience as they go through these sort of things. But it seems we're creating a more a stronger community through this. And so I want to thank you for being a voice for people in this sort of um, spot, which we'll go into more through you answering your questions. Awesome. Thank you. No, it's a, it's a true gift to be able to be in this space at this time in the world, which is awesome. So I guess to start off, because I'm sure our listeners are intrigued by that biography, um, mm. by, you know, with your own story, what exactly is your story? What got you through, you know, what were you experiencing? What got you through it? And what brought you here today working with what you do? Yeah, so, um, well, I I grew up in Malaysia. So I'm, I was kind of like grew up very internationally. My dad is in oil and gas. So we moved around a lot when I was younger. And um, growing up, like I, I always was a very sensitive young girl. I would always, I was always like very empathetic. But at the time, you know, it wasn't harnessed in a way that it was like helpful or supportive of me. It was more very destructive. So I really cared about everyone around me. And I would really kind of like absorb the pain that was surrounding me and take it on as in my own. Um, and so growing up, you know, my parents were kind of in a very like unconventional relationship. My dad wasn't really around much. And when he was, they were quite opposite. So there was like a lot of sort of um, fighting and aggression in the family. And so as a young girl, I would really take that on as my own. And while that was kind of going on, my mom also um, kind of suffered from her own really intense body image struggle. So she was really, um, I guess the way that she dealt with this, she dealt with the stuff in her life, her conflicts was with kind of like internally going into, you know, controlling her body, controlling what she ate. So I was really surrounded with a lot of this sort of what I would refer to as like destructive patterns around dealing with, um, you know, fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, and that kind of thing. So by the time I got to middle school, I started to read that sort of started to transform into my own ways of, uh, you know, dealing with my own anxiety. So I started to really focus on my body. And I remember, um, you know, I was never like overweight or um, you know, severely overweight or anything, but I did for a while feel chubby and I would sometimes be like bullied in school. And it was really difficult for me and traumatizing for me. Cause like at home I was dealing with trauma and then I would go to school and I was dealing with trauma. And as this little sensitive girl, it really started to weigh on me a lot. And so I remember I, um, joined a cross country 
team and, you know, really quickly started to lose weight. And this was kind of at the same time that I was really focusing on food as like a crutch for all of my, the things that I was going through. So I also started to kind of like starve myself. Um, and then when I was losing weight and was getting a lot of positive feedback and like positive reinforcement, people were like, Oh, you look so great. Chloe. Like, what are you doing? Um, you know, and this was, a, it turned into this method of controlling what was going on in my life. So for me running and, and starving and losing weight, was like, okay, well, at least I can start to feel good about myself. And, um, you know, that quickly really did develop into pretty severe eating disorders that I um, dealt with and lived with all of high school and for a large portion of university. Um, and when I, when I look back now in this time, I always realized that for me growing up, writing was such a huge piece of my life. And when I was in high school, especially during the times when my bulimia and, you know, depression were really severe and I was, you know, even going through suicidal tendencies and it was, it was pretty bad. Um, I would write a lot because I was really removed from my friends. Like I didn't go to school. I didn't really have much communication with my family. My brother was at university. So I was really alone in my thoughts and that sensitivity piece um, was really, really intense and I was never able to connect outside of my head. So writing was really my only, only way of being able to express that internal voice. Um, and then when I went into university, I really stopped writing. Um, when I look back, I realized that like, I did not write at all in university. It's like all of my pain and anxiety and stress and the internal war just really grew and built. Um, and of course that came out in other ways. So, you know, university styles of partying too much, drinking too much, um, and just like really destructive ways of being. So everything was just like this culmination of all of this pain that I was never able, really able to deal with. Um, you know, going from when I was younger to high school to university, it was just like all of this external um, stuff that kept coming inside of me and I was never able to really voice it or understand what it was. And I guess the way, when it really started to change was when I had finished university I, you know, was dealing with that sort of issue that most people that finish university deal with was just like, okay, what next? Like, what am I going to do with my life? Who am I? You know, I'm such a failure. Like all of that sort of those stories that get created when you're feeling lost or confused and you're attaching who you are to what you're doing. Um, and so I was really looking into like all these different vocations, whether it be, you know, a clinical psychologist, um, a chef. And I kept thinking about dietetics and dietitian because of my interest in health and my mom's obsession with health and my own obsession with health. Um, but I, there was something that wasn't really connecting. Um, and so I, one day I was, I was working at Whole Foods, funnily, funnily enough, because I just was looking for a job that was related to food. And somehow I ended up working at Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. It's like this unconscious movement in life. Like I was here, I was there. So I'm at Whole Foods and I was working with this girl and she, uh, we were talking one day about food and she was saying like, Hey, you should check out this holistic nutrition program. And I was like, good one. Like, there's no way <laughs> that I'm going to be a holistic nutritionist. Cause for me, I was very academic kind of like left brain at that point. And growing up, my mom was pretty right brain. Like she's an artist, music teacher. She was really spiritual and we had our own sort of, um, conflict for a lot of my younger years. So I really looked at spirituality and holistic living as like weakness. Um, so I, I, I like basically shut her down completely. 
but it was a seed had been planted because, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks and months and I had, I don't even know, unconsciously researched these schools, like not even knowingly and ended up being on the call on the phone to one of the schools. And it was just like, it just kind of like rolled out from there, like domino effect. I went to the school, I uh, ended up registering that day, put down the deposit, started two weeks later. And that for me was like when everything really changed because it was the first time in my life that I started doing something for like from a connection space where it was like I went to holistic nutrition to basically heal my my relationship with myself. Um, And from there, I gave myself the space to not only really um, work through my stuff um, and give myself the space to really feel all the things out and really you know, come to realize what I was, what I had been going through. But then I also gave myself space to start to look at what it would look like to help others as well. And so that was kind of where everything shifted for me, um, which was about six years ago now. Uh, and then again, the writing piece that comes in at the very end of the school, right before I graduated, I, it was like this intuitive call to start a blog, even though I thought about starting a blog for like 500 years and kept it, <laughs> you know, the back and forth of like, should I start a blog? No, I don't think so. Oh, maybe I will. And then this person's got a blog, so it's not good enough. And then just one day, I remember calling my brother and I was like, hey, because he's a uh, he was a graphic designer. I'm like, we need to meet at a cafe tonight. I'm starting a blog. And he was like, what? <laughs> so we, we met at the cafe. Um, I created Chloe's Countertop. And that night, I remember I wrote like ferociously all night long. I wrote like 15,000 words. Wow. And uh, wow. that was the beginning. You know, that's where everything really changed because for the first time in my life, I allowed myself to start speaking honestly. And I really started to write like what I had been going through and connecting to that sensitivity space and like giving myself permission to be, you know, who I was in all of the messiness. And so, yeah, that's kind of like a nutshell of the story. That's a, that's, that's a really incredible story. And I think it's super inspirational that you've used your own um, insecurities and, you know, used your transformation to sort of branch it out and to help guide others through that. Because I think that's such a common thing in especially in our culture and I'm sure all over the world but I can only speak for this culture in particular at this time Mm -hmm. you know the anxieties that not just women go through but also men you know growing up as children growing up in high school especially such a it can be such a bitter environment and you know through university into a young adult life kind of trying to find our place in the world and trying to find how we fit in it and what we should look like when we do fit in it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting to hear your perspective from that through your own personal story. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think for me, the whole piece, the biggest piece about it was like, um, you know, now who, who I am now and what I'm doing now, I, I recognize that like, my sensitivity and um, like deep empathy is a gift, right? But it wasn't until I allowed the space for that to be a gift that it, it you know, supported me. Because I remember growing up always kind of like hating that I was like that. I didn't like that I felt what other people felt and I didn't like that I, um, you know, cried a lot. I always felt thought that that made me weak. So it was interesting how allowing something that is a part of me to be that um, and be beautiful, that it all completely shifts in the way that it, it comes like manifests in my life. So, well, I definitely admire your strength in this too, because I actually, and a lot of people don't know this, 
but I dated a girl um, when I was younger. I was about 17 or 18 um, for a few years, and I didn't learn until about six or seven months um, into our relationship that she actually suffered from bulimia um, for several mm. years. And it was an emotional trying relationship, and I, I oftentimes felt helpless. However, I did learn a lot from that relationship. And, um, you know, again, I just admire your strength for being able to overcome that because I know how difficult that can be. Uh, to actually go through the motions of life and do the things that you do and to be able to come out on top of it um, is really great. So. No, oh, thanks. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's I and I, I think that especially if you don't, you're not aware of the struggle, like something like bulimia and eating disorder can be the probably the most difficult thing for a relationship to get through. Like now with my clients, if they're going through eating disorders, the relationship piece is such a big piece of it because it it ultimately is about you are going through your own war against yourself. So it's really difficult for you to be a supportive or even loving partner when you are like when you're basically doing the complete opposite with yourself. So um, but yeah, getting through it is I mean, it's like anything, right? Like when you get through um, an addiction, like a, a trauma, the of light and power that comes from that transformation is like immeasurable um so yeah Most it's, it's fine <laughs> so do you associate um a lot of our body issue body image issues today with like societal expectations and things of that sort and then we just internalize them i mean i think that that's of course that's definitely a piece of it um i think that I mean, it's, it would be like ignorant to say that what we're exposed to on a daily basis through social media and media and information um, doesn't shape the way that we feel or the way that our thoughts think and the beliefs that we have. Um, but I think that it's also, you know, I think it's it's more than that, though. It's also about this whole disconnection from body that we all don't have. Like, we don't we all don't really we're not brought up. Um, learning about how to connect to our body. In fact, I'd say we're almost brought up learning how to not connect to our body, right? Yes. Like everything that we do is around disconnecting from your body. It's like, you know, don't feel this pain, take this painkiller, push past the pain. Strength is a measure of how, how much you can push past pain or push past stress or, you know, not sleep to do better in school. So everything that we're taught is about literally how to disconnect from your body versus like, I mean, for women, you know, like during your during your monthly cycle, it's like you have to work through it. You've got to push past the pain. But, um, you know, in Ayurveda, we learned that that's actually a time where women should be resting and they should be supporting their body through rest and nourishment and whatever that means for each woman. So I think that the whole cloud like area of body it, body image is just is not just about like what we think about our bodies on the outside but also how we're able to connect with our bodies and like knowing when to listen to our body and hearing our mind wanting to control our body and yet still choosing how you know what's the best way to connect with it and nourish it in that moment so it's a it's a big space Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I, th I think that's really, it's something that we should all personally evaluate, you know, on a daily basis, our relationship with ourselves. And I know that through the past few years, Christopher and I have really made a conscious effort to strengthen that relationship 
between our own bodies individually. And of course, that together in a relationship makes for a very strong um, relationship as well. So it's kind of it's kind of cool to see that come together, you know, two people trying to live consciously in tandem with their body and their emotions and this and that and then coming together and creating sort of like a strong third extra power, so to speak. Yeah, I, I mean, relationships are the most fun when it comes to growth and transformation, because it's like, I mean, even from my own personal like anecdote, um, my my husband and I, we, we lived together in Dubai, like in the same place. And then for the past several months, we've kind of both been like living in different spaces in different cities, countries, like coming and going. So we've just now recently moved back into Vancouver, like legitimately Ferris. My husband just got here two days ago. <laughs> and so my my sort of like routines and patterns are like have been already like created and set and so him coming into this space is like a full just practice of letting go of that control and relearning new routines together um it's so much easier to do things when you're just alone because you only have yourself and your thoughts and your expectations to deal with or manage but when you have that other person um, you know, creating some sort of new alignment in that is like, it's challenging. Um, but I think it, yeah, like you said, it, it's, it's that much more rewarding and can create that much more strength when you do choose to kind of like maybe face your own demons and let your internal wars get a little bit more quiet so that you can find a way together. Um, and that's like, you know, eating, like if you guys for Ferris and I, like he does, he's eats meat. I don't, so finding a meet like halfway point that works where I'm not trying to control what he does and he's not trying to control what I do, you know, I think relationships are a really awesome way to get even more solid in who you are and, um, you know, being more humble. Yeah, it's a big one. for sure. Uh, we're luckily enough, we're both uh, plant-based eaters. So it, it on that uh, front, helps. it helps for sure. <laughs> it helps. Um, so we notice on your website, one of your mottos or slogans uh, or phrases, you could say, is eat intuitively, live consciously. Could you explain a little bit to our listeners what exactly that means? Sure. Yeah. So um, the whole intuitive eating concept, it's so funny. It's like body image. Like it's such a big trendy word or phrase nowadays. And mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of different different definitions of what it means for me, it really is about just kind of go, like I wrote an article about this recently. It was um, learning how to eat again. Um, so again, it's this whole concept of connecting with our bodies and, you know, our whole lives were taught how to not connect. Um, and so it's really about going back to the basics and creating a, sort of like a blueprint that works for you and that you can practice daily. Um, so, you know, from and it's it's around like connecting with body senses again, like going to the grocery store and um, you know relearning. Okay, so where is my body being drawn to? What foods you know do I feel like eating today? And kind of really bringing your attention to that or, or internal dialogue and noticing when it comes in to sort of control what that is, right? And I know that this is a huge con uh, concept, especially when with eating disorders or someone that's coming out of eating disorder recovery and they're you know, trying to maintain their weight or they're trying to, you know, they just are told to eat like in clinics. It's not, it's really not about connecting with your body. It's more about, okay, you need to maintain your weights. So you have to eat all of these different things at once. Um, but for me, when I went to holistic nutrition, 
it was like what we call nutritional confusion because like each course kind of had a little bit sometimes opposing views. You know, you'd learn paleo, then you'd learn raw vegan, you'd learn the rainbow diet, all of these different things. And then it's kind of about giving you all this knowledge in your mind so that you can then learn how to apply it in a way that's connecting with your body, right? So it's like, just because you know that, um, you know, coffee may be really good for you and it's a really good antioxidant, you know, when you have coffee, like, how do you feel? How does your body feel? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel energized? Are you jittery? And then paying attention to what that is for you. Not everyone is going to um, have the same reaction to coffee or same thing with a green smoothie. Like I remember when I was coming out of holistic nutrition, I was like obsessed with green smoothies and I was having them every single day, sometimes twice a day. Um, and through, through the winter months, I started noticing that like my digestion was off and I wasn't feeling that good, but my mind was like, yeah, but these are green smoothies. So it's gotta be that it can't be that. But then I took a break off of them and I realized I started feeling better. So it's like, you know, the whole idea of intuitive eating is about not just eating because it's what you think you should be eating, but like eating and then paying attention to what your body's telling you. Does it feel more energized? Is your digestion off? You know, um, do you have sort of uh, indigestion? Are you experiencing gas and bloating after you eat something? Um, you know, when you wake up in the morning, do you feel energized? Are you tired? All of these kind of things come into play. It's like, basically putting yourself into like a science experiment and then paying attention to the different symptoms that come out um, and then seeing, you know, and then creating patterns or um, alignments into what that means with what food you're eating and at what times you're eating and that kind of thing. So that's kind of the eating intuitive um, concept. It's really about tying in how you feel and how your body feels and what, how that relates to what you're eating. And then the living consciously thing, again, it's, it's really about paying attention to your thoughts and how your thoughts direct, you know, your actions and how you feel about yourself. So I just wrote an article like literally 10 minutes ago or maybe 20, depending on how long we've been talking. <laughs> 30. Um, and it's, it's called um, five ways to prepare for a photo shoot. And so I, I do lots of photo shoots um, for brands and whatnot. And, and usually I'm totally fine but today, you know, I have a photo shoot with a fitness with a fitness brand, and I noticed this morning I woke up just not feeling good, and I was like, "What's going on?" And I realized that for the past week, my mind has been totally unconsciously breaking me apart and making me feel bad and telling myself, you know, like what I need to do in order to prepare for this photo shoot, and that they're not going to like me, and that they're going to think my body's not perfect. But it was all very unconscious. I wasn't really aware of the fact that it was creating all this anxiety through an internal dialogue. So, you know, the living consciously piece is really about this whole um, really important part of really being truthful with yourself. And when you pay attention to what your internal dialogue is, to then have the awareness to just, to, to just be, just notice that it's there and then to still choose to be compassionate and loving to yourself. So this morning when I noticed that I had been thinking those things, I could have just been like, you know, I could have chosen many, many different paths. I could have continued. Um, I could have beaten myself up about it and felt like a bad person. I could have canceled the photo shoot or I could have just had an awareness of the fact that that was happening and then really be, you know, loving to myself and be like, that's, it sucks that you were feeling that way and treating myself like a friend would, you know, but like, how can we support you in this, these next few hours to help you feel better so that when you do get there, you're okay. So 
you know, it's kind of all of these different steps of, you know, what self-love is and how you can integrate that into your daily life. Yeah, you know, awareness really is key. And that's something to reiterate to the listeners that it, everybody develops in their own personal progression in their own way. And that there's no, you know, a lot of people can't just all of a sudden eat intuitively and live consciously tomorrow, you know, like if they haven't been doing that, but that it's a process that develops and it's a very personal one at that. And being able to understand that others eating intuitively may look different than your eating intuitively and living consciously and this and that, but that it's a, it can be a supportive system through a network of people doing this together. And that's, that's pretty neat. And although we've been practicing a lot of uh, mindful exercises, you know, throughout the past few years that we've been together, I still struggle with some aspects of it. Number one is my chewing. I'm always have to remind myself to slow down and to, to (laughs) chew a lot. And that's been my, my downfall or struggle, I should say. And I'm getting much better at it. Actually, we have a whiteboard um, in our room of our goals and everything. And, you know, on the list is, you know, practicing mindfulness, especially when it comes to eating food. (laughs) That's one thing I've picked on him so much about since we've been together, you know, and he's finished. That's the relationship muscle there. It is. It is. And I think, you know, and he's helped me a lot through listening to my body. What does it really need? You know, because I, I tend to fall into my cravings more so than he does. My, mm. And sometimes my cravings aren't exactly what my body needs, but what my brain past addictions think it needs. And right. so he's always that what you call the relationship uh, muscle reinforcement where he reminds me, you know, is that something that you intuitively want or is that a is that a flashback of like your high school party or your college party days eating pizza and drinking beer? You know, what is where's that coming from? So, yeah. And that's like, that's this, that's really the main skill to strengthen is like connecting to like the, the why or where, where it's coming from. Right. And like, really, like I, I talk to my clients about this a lot when they're, especially in eating disorder recovery, like a lot of the fear is around like, okay, well, I don't know what portions to eat, or I don't know if it's a real craving or if it's my mind craving. And the, it's not about like answering those questions but really about saying okay well creating this space of really of like believing that you can trust yourself and really strengthening your own ability to check in with yourself and and really know what the answer is or what the truth is right so like when I say to my clients like but you probably if you really chose to believe yourself and trust yourself you probably would know what a correct portion is. It's just that you've spent so much time strengthening the idea that you don't know or that you don't trust yourself. Mm -hmm. So again, it's like the intuitive eating piece. Like when you really get silent and tune into yourself and and say, you know, ask yourself like, why, you know, why am I feeling drawn to this right now? Um, And you can, and you can connect, like you said, like you can connect to a past memory maybe. And if that's the reason, then it's again, then the next step is about not judging or, um, getting mad at yourself for feeling that way. And maybe you do still eat the pizza. It's not, it's not the end of the world if you eat the pizza because the practice is in having the awareness that that happened. Um, and then maybe the next time that, that, uh, the pizza, like the desire to have the pizza or the intention to have the pizza won't be as strong because your awareness around it has kind of like started to 
play around with that neuron firing or the wiring in your brain that says that you need to have that, right? Absolutely. And you know, one thing that I realized worked for me personally was making healthier whole food choices, you know, like almost like um, recreating that pizza that I would gorge on in college, but this time making it with a quinoa crust that I bake myself and making it with maybe like a almond or cashew cheese that I either buy from the store or make myself or throwing a bunch of veggies on it, then I get that same satisfaction because not only was it therapeutic being in the kitchen and creating all these pieces myself, but it was just as therapeutic eating the pizza and realizing that, hey, I could still have pizza, you know, and still feel satisfied. In fact, even more so because I know that the ingredients going into my body at that moment agree with me. And whereas the loaded, you know, dairy cheese and the wheat crusts and all of that in the past were satisfying to me then, they didn't make my body feel as healthy or as productive back then. And so I yeah. know it's it's kind of like replacing, you know, less healthy options with more healthy options, but not necessarily calling the less healthy options bad foods. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, I mean, the, the whole concept behind it is like changing the vibration. Cause like when you go into the psychology of beliefs, you, the expectation that you can change a belief or like a pattern or, um, an, an attachment immediately is completely, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to work. It's going to put you in a situation where you're going to be struggling. So you're just, yeah, like you said, you're changing the vibration of what that creates in your body. So, and, and not attaching to words like good or bad, but really just about changing the experience so that you then create a new association. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. We're just like little, we're just animals, really. <laughs> we are. We so are. So, are. We are. <laughs> so just to give some tips to our listeners, maybe you could give like an example of a day of yours, you know, a regular day, just a normal day of Chloe's where you eat intuitively and live consciously. What does that look like for you? So I'd say that it looks pretty different every day which I think is part of it. It's, you know, I think for a long time, I always wanted to, I wanted to create, like, I wanted to sound like I was like this perfect, um, you know, model of what it means to live intuitively and eat, eat consciously or vice versa, you know, and just saying like, well, every day I, you know, wake up with lemon water. But the, the, <laughs> the truth is that like, really for me, the number one thing is that um, being okay with the fact that like, every day can look and be different. And the most important foundation of all of it is really about this practice of um, the compassion and self-love piece, right? So, um, because when we create this restriction or like control, it's really coming again, it's like coming from this place of fear or doubt. So it's, so the point really is to like always tune into, okay, so how in this moment, can I love myself more? How can I support myself more? So, um, you know, it, each day is a little bit different, but like, I like to try to start every day in silence. My husband doesn't always let it like this morning. He really wanted to talk and I was like, Ferris, please, let's just be quiet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like to try to not wake up with an alarm just cause it, cause I'm um, very pitta and fiery. And if I start a day, like in anxiety, it's probably going to start the theme of the day to be a little bit fiery. So yeah. So I try to implement things in each day that are more around like 
um, calm and slowing down just to support that sort of like Ayurvedic pita, pita balance so that I'm not constantly moving fast because I'm a really focused and fast moving person. So really like slowing myself down, whether it's, um, you know, starting the day in silence, doing meditation, doing yoga, writing is a really big piece for me. So whenever I do spend a morning doing either morning pages where it's just like writing in free flow for 30 minutes um, or, you know, 15 or 30 minutes, however much you can fit in. Um, that really helps me to kind of get that mind dump gone so that my, my mind can be a little bit fresh because otherwise you wake up and all of a sudden you realize that your day is kind of being driven by whatever thoughts you've been thinking the day before or what you've dreamt about. So for me, that's always like a really important practice. Um, yeah. And then it, what, you know, I love cooking and it's really important for me to connect again to food and eating and cooking. So I love to like my ideal day is really where I have enough time in the morning to do kind of all of my self-love practices, whether it's writing, meditation, um, sitting in silence, listening to music, and then having the time to really cook a nice breakfast or prepare a nice breakfast obviously take a picture of it because I love food photography and the more food photography I can do, the better. It makes me really happy. Um, yeah. And then basically my, my day in terms of work really does vary, but, um, the days where I really am like at home, whether it's recording a podcast and then doing client calls, um, or writing for a job or a freelance job or for my blog, those are kind of like my favorite days. Cause I just get to have a lot of space to myself. There's no sort of um, restrictions or guidelines around timing and I can kind of just flow through it. That's just like the best for me. Um, yeah, and then having time to really connect with my husband, with friends, family um, is also really big because sometimes I'm not conscious of what thoughts I'm thinking and whether or not there is an internal war unless I'm around people. And when I'm around people, then I can be like, Ooh, maybe I'm not really, you know, treating myself well right now or connecting with the inner child and saying like, okay, well, what is she needing right now? How can I, you know, choose to love her more so that she feels safe and, you know, that kind of thing. So building that friendship is really big for me on a daily basis. Um, but yeah. And then in the evening, I'm all about cooking dinner with my husband, listening to music, watching a show that we like, you know, maybe having a glass of wine, um, <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of like my favorite sort of conscious living day um, for Chloe. Yeah, I, I like that. And it's nothing alien, you know, like no. <laughs> I think a lot of times when people ask questions like that to get a peek inside someone's lifestyle, they might think it's just completely on the other side of the board. And, you know, it's a normal daily life for you that makes you feel good, makes you feel fulfilled. And it's a constant uh, path that you explore and discover new things as you go and that is humanity and that's really cool yeah and I really uh, you know again I think everybody's different in regards to their personal lifestyle and how they like to uh, live their life consciously but I really do like that you know starting off the day with the self-love practice you know I think that's really important that you highlighted that and I know for us we do that as well we um, we do pick meditation or a type of meditation like Kundalini yoga. And I know that really helps to get me focused because again, I'm very fast paced. <laughs> I'm always, once I'm up and thinking about something, I'm doing it. Yeah. 
Um, Whereas I'm the person that you could, I could sit underneath a tree for probably 48 hours and would never even move. Right. Good to have balance. Good to have balance. My husband and I are both pretty fast paced. So that's why I like try to remind him of silence because otherwise if we both get in it, it's just like, it will just not stop. Um, but yeah, and one other, like another thing for me when I do have the opportunity to, and when, when I was saying I lived in Dubai for three years and I really missed this piece and that's when I know that it's something important when I notice how much I miss it was being able to like, just go out, out into the forest, go for a walk or a run with my dog, be around horses, like something around nature. Um, I don't always remember to do it, but when I do remember to do it, I'm like, course this is obviously what I need to do every single day um in a perfect world so for me that's definitely um one of my favorite ways to kind of like you know quickly get myself out of a space of of fear or doubt or destruction or that kind of thing yeah I highly encourage a lot of people to do that because it really does humble you and it brings you down um you know and it really I, I I personally I know for speaking for Sarah and I getting out and you know going for a hike for half of a day or whatever it just it centers me and it brings me to a really good level yeah totally it's easy it's easy to kind of get caught up in the day-to-day hustle and bustle and you know it's like you said balance is key you know you can't have too much silence otherwise nothing gets done you can't have too much work otherwise you run yourself ragged so it's just like you said, living consciously, knowing what's good for you at that moment. And especially if you're in a relationship, being honest with each other about what you're intuitively feeling, because sometimes it's not on the same page. But as long as you communicate that, like, you know, if Chris is in his work, work, work mode, which is great, because he motivates me, I mean, we work, we our business is together. So it's a very much team effort. And if he gets in this work until midnight mode, and wants me on board with them. If my if I'm you know living consciously and at that moment I'm just <laughs> exhausted, I'm yeah. I have to be honest with him instead of forcing myself to keep working with him. I have to express eloquently and not in a way that attacks his work mode, but just says, "Hey, I Pardon. feel that I'm in a very good spot with what we've put out today with our business, and I really appreciate your help with me and my help with you." But at this moment. I need to read a book or (laughs) just chill out. And, you know, the same goes for him. If he's feeling like we're not getting enough done because I'm in the kitchen all day and I want to make new recipes and we might need some business stuff done. You know, he expresses himself saying, I really need to get some work done. I'd like if you could help me with this, you know, so it's 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 about matching that in a way that doesn't force the other person into being something that they're not. And, you know, it's it's, it's really cool. I don't know. Yeah. No, I totally. And I've, I've really been, um, interested in the whole idea of conscious relationship, which is like a whole other thing, um, in the past, I say six months. And I, I do believe, I mean, for me, what I'm, I mean, as you can tell in my podcast, conscious conversations, like my biggest focus is really around this global conversation that we have around self-love and, and like I, like you said in the intro, like changing our relationship to pain, bringing a more awareness to our internal dialogue. And I really do believe that the, one of the greatest ways um, and quickest ways to really bring your awareness to this is around relationship, because in those moments where you're, you know, on, on like 
a crazy work mode and you just want to get things done, but your partner, you know, wants to slow down and cook dinner, that's like a major moment of, it's like, which, it's like a fork in the road, which choose, which path are you going to take? Are you going to be humble and maybe like choose the space of compassion and communication? Or are you going to be egotistical and say like, sorry, no, I'm not going to happen. This is my way. And I, you know, I'm doing really well. So get out of my way. Um, and I think that in a relationship, it's the most difficult because you are so used to being so vulnerable. You, sh- if you share a living space, you know you're your full self with your relate in your part with your partner. You're not trying to be someone else, um, and so it can really create this space of conflict um, internally and externally with yourself and with your partner if you aren't bringing that sort of conscious attention to, um, you know, how you're showing up in that in that space in that moment, especially when you're in a space of discomfort. So. Yeah, I feel like so much learning is there. Most definitely. And again, I think communication is key. So uh, with yeah. us, that's where, you know, I think is one of our biggest strong suits is the communication. So we've really learned how to communicate with each other. And it's been uh, fairly easy and really... Well, it helps that we're both very honest. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> bluntly so, but the other person can also handle that honesty and it takes you know comfortability you have to be in that safe space i feel safe with him so when he voices his opinion even if you know maybe with someone else in the past it might have felt like um a rock flying at me whereas now with him it's like okay he's being honest with me right now and i appreciate that let me you know and it's 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 just something that kind of naturally and organically evolved but I obviously you know we have many years ahead of us so there's going to be bumps in the road but being able to apply that to the future you know is going to help us navigate through these bumps yeah and navigate through the your own internal you know that's the biggest thing I think absolutely that's that's awesome though Good job, guys. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so our listeners know that they can find your business and your website at chloecountertop.com, chloescountertop.com. Um, would you like to fill them in on any updates, anything that's going on with your business that you'd like to share with them as of lately? Sure. Yeah. So you can get, I mean, you can find my book, my podcast, all my blog posts post all the information on chloescountertop.com. I'm really active on my Instagram. So I post all my updates. I do a lot of sort of free writing there as well. So um, at Chloe's Countertop, um, I have a retreat coming up in Costa Rica, um, February 25th to March 4th. There's nice. four spots left. Um, we're going to be doing all of this, all of the conversation Plus, um, lots of content, you know, on holistic transformation. There's lots of rituals. It's all women this time. Sorry, guys, but there will be um, (laughs) two other, you know, people saying, Chloe, what are you doing? Don't discriminate. So I'm going to have to have a men and women one soon. Um, But yeah, so if anyone's interested in that, you can contact me at Chloe at chloescountertop.com. Uh, yeah. And just, there's going to be lots of new cool stuff coming up 2017, you know, exciting times, but yeah, you can find it all on my website. Awesome. Well, I know that, uh, we're going to keep up with your progress and things that you're involved in, because this is something that definitely resonates with us. And I'm sure our listeners have found this interview to be just as enjoyable as we have. So thank you so much for coming onto this call with us. Thanks, Chloe. Of course. Thank you guys so much. It's so, 
such a pleasure to connect and I'm always happy to meet new conscious relationships. So cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, good luck with everything that you're doing and enjoy yourself in Costa Rica. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Take care. And now the health tip of the episode. The health tip of the episode. But we're going to give it over to Sarah this time. Ooh, I get to do the health tip of the episode. I feel special. I think it's your time. You deserved it. So the health tip of this episode is molasses. And all of you thinking, sugar, what? Sugar's a health tip? Well, molasses, for those of you who don't know, that is everything sugar used to be before it became stripped of all its nutrients and processed and refined into white table sugar. That's why sometimes people prefer to use raw sugar um, instead, but that's still pretty processed and refined. If you want to get all of the benefits that sugar has from the cane plant, switch to molasses. It's a much healthier way to sweeten things. It is a little bitter on its own, so it might take a little getting used to, you know, adding it into your oatmeal instead of a giant tablespoon of sugar. Um, And now the reason why molasses made it into our health tip of the episode is because it actually has a lot of really good healing benefits. It's high in manganese, magnesium, iron, calcium, and things of that sort. It's really good for people with skin and hair issues. So if you have excessively dry skin, dermatitis, um, if your hair is lacking luster and you wanna get it shiny and give it life, take a tablespoon or two of molasses in a warm glass of water. Just stir that in daily. It also helps to lower blood high blood pressure. So if you're on blood pressure medications and you want to lower your blood pressure, molasses is a good little supplement to use. Um, Of course, speak to your physician before making any drastic changes to your diet or health plan. But I, for those of you that are following us, you know that I've been experiencing really bad eczema issues since we went to South America. And over the past week, I started going to acupuncture as well as adding molasses into my diet daily. And I have, I've been able to cut my lotion use in half and I've been making using my own aloe um, creation but anyway the molasses I think is really helping out a lot so once again replace your sugar with molasses and you'll see some healthy benefits booyah all right stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be interviewing a lovely lady about breath work and the benefits of breathing (laughs) 